Hello, everyone. Welcome to Soulmates Podcast, live via Zoom. This is Emily. And this is Rachel. We are recording this during a very loud thunderstorm. So we are sorry if you could hear the rumblings in the background. I'm going to try really hard to edit all of that out. Yeah, we we really know how to pick them. (laughs) I know. Hey, we can record when we can record, and sometimes it's just in the middle of a thunderstorm in Florida. So who knows? The power might go out. There might be flooding. The wind might down a tree and crash into our windows. Who knows? It's a mystery. Or it could clear up in 10 minutes. (laughs) Yeah, very true. Very Florida. On this episode, we're going to be reviewing a Netflix anime movie called A Whisker Away. This movie actually was delayed by coronavirus, Mm -hmm. like many films. (laughs) It was originally scheduled for release in Japanese theaters on June 5th, but it was pulled from the schedule due to COVID-19. The film was then sold to Netflix, who released it digitally, and on Netflix it was released on June 18th. So it's pretty brand spanking new. It is 104 minutes long, so not super, super long, which I appreciate. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know about you, but Netflix was hardcore like, have you watched this movie? You should watch this movie. Watch this movie. A whisker away. Here it is. Previewed. As soon as you open the app. Every time you open the app. And I was like, Jesus Christ. What about my viewing patterns has told them that I want to watch a cat movie? (laughs) So I didn't even know about this until you said something because I've been getting, have you heard of the Babysitter's Club? You should really watch the Babysitter's Club. And I'm like... (laughs) Oh, yes, I am a 12-year-old girl, and yes, I did read a ton of Babysitter's Club novels as a child in the 90s. You got me. So that's what's been getting marketed to me, so I didn't even know about this movie. Yeah, I mean, I guess that meshes with my recent spike in watching anime. I watched a bunch of Ghibli movies on HBO Max, but I don't think those two apps talk to each other, so... Maybe you just mentioned cats around your phone. Maybe. (laughs) And, uh, you know, your phone's always listening. (laughs) That's very possible. They say that they don't listen to you through your phone, but... I don't believe that. Mm-hmm. So the Japanese title of this literally translates to Wanting to Cry, I Pretend to Be a Cat, which is a very long title. I think A Whisker Away was a good choice Yeah. Uh, for a more whimsical title for this. I can definitely tell that they're going for people who like Studio Ghibli movies. Like, a thousand percent. Good choice on the title change. Right now, on Rotten Tomatoes, the film holds an approval rating of 92%, so that is pretty damn high, especially for an animated film. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. Uh, yeah, I don't. Yeah. Personally, (laughs) I don't. I don't personally agree with the rating that high, but but it is still a decent movie. It's produced by Studio Colorido, Toho Animation, and Twin Engine. It was directed by Junichi Sato and Tomataka Shibayama. Do you want to read the Netflix description? You know, they always have a two-sentence description. Because the Wikipedia page basically outlines the entire movie, so... (laughs) Oh god, okay. Sure, the Netflix description of Whisker Away is... A peculiar girl transforms into a cat to catch her crush's attention. But before she realizes it, the line between human and animal starts to blur. Ooh, so this immediately makes me think of The Cat Returns. It makes me think of Spirited Away. 
And I'm pretty damn sure that those were very, very large influences for this movie, especially The Cat Returns, I mean. Yeah, I mean, that's very, very similar. So we're going to do a brief plot summary of the movie. If you don't want any spoilers, go to like the last 10 minutes of this episode. But we're going to get into the plot and then pick apart why we didn't like it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. We're going to say what we like, too. (laughs) We're not going to be all negative, right? Sure. Oh my god. Yeah, sure. (laughs) I'm just going to start it off. The main character is Mio Sasaki. She's a middle school girl who has a gigantic crush on her classmate, Hinode. Every day at school, she like goes out of her way to bug him, to say hi to him, to basically bully him into liking her. Just uh, kind of in the same vein as Itazura na Kiss. You know, through sheer will, she will make him love her, which I have issues with. Yeah. <laughs> she does this. She has a friend who is like very serious. But they're really good friends. Uh, And her friend is always like, you need to chill out. And she's like, no, I can't. I'm too eccentric to chill out. (laughs) And uh, yeah. Every day after school, she goes home and she has this cat mask. And when she puts it on, she becomes a white cat with beautiful blue eyes. And then she goes and visits Hinode. She walks around town, living her life as a cat. And Hinode is really attached to this cat who he names Taro, which I thought was really cute. As he becomes more attached to the cat version of this girl, he becomes more callous to the human version of this girl, and so she's like, fuck it, I want to be a cat! And a finger curls on the monkey's paw. Oh my god. (laughs) Mio is also referred to a lot as Muge. That's kind of like her nickname, I guess. So if you hear that in in the movie, that's who they're referring to. And Muge basically gets the cat mask from this mysterious mask seller is what he's called. It's basically like this giant fat tabby cat <laughs> or like tortoiseshell. It's something like that. He's he's a big cat <laughs> that turns into a very large person also that sells these masks. Very plush wood cuddle. He sells cat masks to humans. And then you find out later that he sells human masks to cats. So yes. He kind of does a soul reversal type of thing, or soul exchange. Mm-hmm. So he pushes Mio into becoming a cat full-time, and then as soon as she does it, she's like, oh shit, <laughs> I don't think this was a good idea. As she spends more time with Hinode, he's like, oh shit, I should have been nicer to Mio, like, I miss her, I think I'm having these feelings for her, and I never got to say anything, like, she's always been super nice to me, and I just never saw it, and so he's starting to sweat. While this is going on, she's trying to find the mask seller to get her human mask back, and of course, this mask seller is like, I'm never giving it back, woo! Yeah. (laughs) Basically, yeah. She ends up following him to the secret island of the cats, which is this mystical place literally in the clouds. As she becomes more and more cat-like and less and less human, she can see all these magical things. So she's in this magic place with only cats. She comes across cats that used to be human who regret it now. They're all kind of at like this ramen stall eating ramen, which I thought was cute. Yeah. And so she's chasing the mask seller, and then, plot twist, Hinode is there too, but with another cat who has her human mask. 
Yeah, and the other cat is the cat of her stepmother, who she isn't really getting along with that well because her parents recently separated and her dad is dating this new woman and her mom's kind of an aloof type. She's kind of rejecting this woman whose name is uh, Kaoru, and her cat is the one that got Muge's face, or Mio's face, because she wanted to spend more time with Kaoru because it was getting to the end of that cat's life. It is really sad, but she, the cat, ends up seeing through Mio's face that Kaoru just wants her cat back. So she's like, okay, well, I'm gonna help out Mio so that she's happy. And I'm going to give the face back so I can continue to be a cat for my cat mom until I pass away because she really misses me as a cat. It's very sweet. I didn't expect it to go that way. I thought it was going to be a bit darker. but So they all meet up in the spirit realm and the mass seller is nowhere to be found and then suddenly traps them in his like lair once they find it and basically what he's trying to do is steal away uh, Mio's life force and apply it to himself so basically so that he can live longer with a human's lifespan they're trying to get her lifespan back before the summer tree basically like a giant magical tree that awakens on i believe like the summer solstice and they're trying to get it back before the tree fully awakens because it is the night of the summer solstice that they're there and that scene was a little odd to me they're trying to fight the mass seller cat the mass seller cat is pretty big and surprisingly nimble and and he's he's managing to keep away Mio's life force. But then the cats who were in the human cat isekaya, all the cats from that isekaya come and like throw things at the mass seller and like hold him down so that Mio and Hinode can turn back into humans and be together. They were like, boo, you suck, yeah. boo. <laughs> That's pretty much how the story ends. They all walk out one cat, two humans. And they go about their lives and live happily. Yeah, and Hinode and Mio date, and that's like the end of the movie. We glossed over a bit, but I don't want to go into too much detail because it is only 104 minutes long. It's a super chill watch. You could watch it in one evening. It's honestly pretty relaxing. I feel like I've been so stressed out watching TV lately because everything that's like a Netflix original is like very edgy and dark and you're just like waiting for the next fucking shoe to drop constantly. But there was no real other shoe in this movie. <laughs> it was kind of like everything worked out how it was supposed to and there wasn't too much conflict besides the mass seller. And some miscommunication. And between the girl and her, like, school bullies. Yeah, it, it wasn't, like, soul-crushing. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess. But, like, I, I guess I'm just used to darker themes. And this really is, like, a kid's movie. So it makes you feel warm and fuzzies inside. I did not feel warm and fuzzy. <laughs> but I say that, and, like, Studio Ghibli has intense themes sometimes, too, even though those are supposed to be kids' movies. It made me feel nice at the end. I just wish there was a little more zest to the plot, I guess. But if you're looking for an easy watch, this is it. Yeah. I'm going to get into the number one thing that bothered me about this. I do not like it when the message of a movie is, if you harass someone enough, they'll like you. In the beginning of this, she does this weird thing where she takes off both of her shoes, runs up behind the guy, and then rams her ass into him, and he <laughs> she stumbles. <butt> checks it. Yeah. <laughs> 
And she she does this just for like funsies. And I don't get that. And I'm like, oh, this girl is psycho. <laughs> After watching this, my first thought was this girl has borderline personality disorder. That is quite possible. I mean, I feel like that the mood swings may be exacerbated by the fact that she is, from what I can tell in this movie, like 14. And she just had a major life change in that her parents just separated and she has to live with her dad and this new mom who really wants to be her mom but is not her mom. And so she locks on to the most familiar things she can to try to find like a substitute familiarity with somebody, I guess. That's kind of the vibe that I got from it. So I understood it from just like, she just was a hormonal fucking teenager whose erratic, risky behavior was only heightened because of trauma that she just experienced. Yeah, at one point, these two guys are talking bad about her crush. So she stands on like a ledge and is like, you better not say anything bad about him. And they're like, oh yeah, what are you gonna do? And then she literally jumps off a building. And I was like, oh, this girl's fucking crazy. Okay. I thought she was gonna start to become more cat-like in her human form, but that didn't that didn't really happen. To me, it reminded me of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, in which the main character does have borderline personality disorder, where there's like romantic obsessions, there are delusions of grandeur, there are like super intense emotions, like super high highs and super low lows, and like attention-seeking behaviors. Of course, I am watching this as an adult. This is for kids. I can tell that this is mostly for kids, or at least, like, young teens at the oldest, I think, or maybe even just, like, parents and their kids. But, like, from my perspective, that is what I saw. And, like, I don't know if I had a kid. I don't know if that's a message I would want to be sending to them. Imagine that the roles were reversed, and... It was a really pushy boy and a girl who didn't want anything to do with this kid. We would feel different about it. I feel like the plot did need more zesting. I felt like there should have been more things happening in the cat spirit world. I feel like that was not fleshed out enough. And we only spent like the last fourth of the movie there when it could have been so much more. You know, like it could have really been a spirited away type movie. Instead, it was not yeah i mean i i get where you're coming from and those are all good critiques i feel like it would have been less creepy if they had fleshed out the backstory between mio and hinode a little bit more Mm -hmm. because the first thing we see is her like butt butting (laughs) him like into oblivion on the like morning of a school day but they may have yeah (laughs) They may have been friends before that, or he may have, like, defended her somehow. I I feel like that backstory was missing, and I agree with you. Like, the spirit world cat thing was super cool, but they didn't spend much time there at all, and I feel like that could have been explored better as well. I also wish that the mom's cat, in Mio's form, put up more of a fight instead of just being like, oh yeah, I guess... Um, I'll give you back your human face. (laughs) But like you said, more zest, more backstory, more spirit world. But again, this is a kid's movie, so it needs to be quick or they're going to be, you know, picking their boogers and eating them and running (laughs) around. (laughs) If they did a young adult or adult remake of this, that is what I would want more of. 
If I was going to redo this whole movie, I would age up the kids. The beginning scene would be the girl running through the gate into the spirit world. And you see like these cats everywhere wearing clothing at food stalls. And then you would get flashbacks into what was going on and how she got there. Yeah, definitely. I feel like that would have been a better setup. Hollywood, call me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, let's go ahead and do our final readings of this. Okay, so on a scale of one to five, one being the worst and five being the best, how would you rate the plot of the movie, the writing? For its intended audience, I would rate it a three out of five. For me, a two. (laughs) I'm giving this a two. It needs more zest. It needs more zazz. <laughs> it needs some freshly cracked black pepper. <laughs> yes, it needs a little parmesan. <laughs> <laughs> little salt bay. The spirit world was not fleshed out, and that was easily the most interesting part. Besides the fact that you can turn into a cat or turn into a human. So I feel like they needed to lean into that more, especially if this whole plot hinges upon that magical stuff you know on a scale from one to five how would you rate the voice acting i would rate it a four and a half Nah, four (laughs) i i'm going to rate it a four i would also rate it a four i watched it dubbed and i had the uh closed captions on it so i saw what the sub would have said and they were pretty close but i felt like the sub, the liberties that they took made more sense to the plot. And I felt like they were more concise. So um, I actually thought they did a really good job adapting the script for this. And all the kids sounded like kids. Yeah, I thought that was very important. No one had a weird voice. Everyone's voice matched their character. And yeah, overall, I thought it was pretty well done. I think the dad was Johnny Young Bosch, which I was like, it's it's the Watch Mojo Man. <laughs> On a scale from one to five, how would you rate the animation, the music, literally anything else that's not the voice acting or the plot? I'm going to rate that a five. I really enjoyed just watching this movie. I thought it was pretty cinematic and I liked the character designs of everybody. Everybody looked like a kid. No one was like, I'm the main character of an anime with spiky purple hair. (laughs) So um, I really enjoyed that and... There was a moment last night where I was watching the movie and I do not remember which part it was, but I was like, oh, damn, this is some fucking good music to go along with this part. So just the fact that I remembered any of the score, it was good. (laughs) I'm going to give this a four and not a five because I felt like at points the male character looked like he was from like the 2002 Digimon cartoon (laughs) like for some reason the main girl was animated really well and uh had a lot of depth to her face but at some points like the boy i was just like who are you (laughs) you you look like a stick figure (laughs) you're like sometimes hinode looked like surprise pikachu oh my god (laughs) i will say that all the cats were really well animated and they all looked really cool and they all had different character designs and were very easily distinguishable from each other. I especially like the mask seller design. I love weird looking characters and he was just so big and rotund and round. He just screamed Buddha. 
You know, I just love him. Yeah. He had a really cool design. Yeah, they balanced that well with his, like, very cunning eyes. Like, he had very sharp, pointy eyes, which made you just think, like, this cat knows more than he's letting on. Yeah. So. This cat has a secret. Yeah, they, they did a really good job with his design. And I I really just appreciated the authenticity of Mio's design, too. Like, she really did look like a teenage girl, like, at her wit's end. <laughs> so, yeah. Girl on the edge. She did look like a girl on the edge. All right. So, bottom line, Rachel, would you recommend this yay or nay? I would, but I would tell the person watching it to take it with a grain of salt and to not take it that seriously. I would recommend this to people who like kids' movies and children, and that's it. Well, I like kids' movies, so... <laughs> well, then, yeah. I mean, that that's why they were recommending it to you on Netflix. <laughs> yeah. They're like, this bitch loves her big geek. Give her this fucking movie. <laughs> Let's finish this episode with our weekly K-pop recommendations. I'm going to recommend God's Menu by Stray Kids. I'm going to do a throwback and recommend Airplane by FX. Ooh, that is a good one. I miss FX so fucking much. Maybe that will be our next B-side banger. Ooh, that's a great idea. They have so many good B-sides. They do. And if you're a fan of FX... Luna just released a cover of Say So, originally by Doja Cat, and the music video is spicy. Yeah, her bobbies are out. I was like, damn, girl! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode. You can find Soulmates Podcast on Facebook, facebook.com slash soulmatespodcast. You can check us out on Instagram, also at soulmatespodcast. Send us an email at soulmatespodcast at gmail.com. Check out some of our videos on YouTube at Soulmates Podcast. You can find this podcast pretty much wherever podcasts are found. iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, and Spotify. Wherever you're listening right now, make sure you subscribe and follow us so you can get a new episode every Friday. We would love to see you, and please give us a rating on iTunes. <laughs> we would really appreciate it. We'll see y'all next Friday. Bye. Bye.